This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. The headquarters for Beta Technologies is a very fitting place for an airplane company. The Vermont-based startup runs its operations out of a hangar at the Burlington International Airport. That's where Beta has its offices and workshops. We are in our research and development center here at the Burlington Airport, and we have a number of different airplanes in here. Um, the one we're That's CEO at. Kyle Clark. As we walked through the hangar, we passed at least 15 small aircraft they use for training and tinkering. There was a Cessna Skyhawk, one of those little planes you see at tiny local airports, and other classic models, like a J3 Cub and a Stearman biplane. But alongside them was a plane built by Beta Technologies, and it was a little different. Electric aircraft, we call it a LEA. It looks kind of like that Cessna crossed with a helicopter. The cockpit is more bulbous than a typical plane, with big glass windows so the pilot can see what's below as well as what's in front. And instead of one big rotor on the top, it has four, one in each corner of the plane. So what you're looking at on the top of the plane is four rotors that are each 12 and a half feet in diameter, and they balance the plane just like a quadcopter. And then in the back, there's that huge propeller with five blades on it. That propels the plane forward. The Aaliyah also has really long wings. Clark says the design is inspired by Arctic terns, small seabirds that migrate 25,000 miles each year between the Arctic Circle and Antarctica. It's a 50-foot wingspan, which is pretty darn large for a 7,000-pound aircraft. The Cessna we mentioned, the Aaliyah's wingspan is about 14 feet longer, almost half the wingspan of a Boeing 737. But unlike a Cessna, or a 737, this plane is powered by up to five big batteries. It charges up with a plug like an electric car and doesn't produce any exhaust while it's running. Clark hopes that in the next decade, electric planes like the Aaliyah will be flying all around the country. Every other form of transportation, you know, cars, scooters, bikes, motorcycles, rails, hybrid electric, a lot of electric ferries going around, and it was aerospace's turn. We're in spitting distance of taking a huge portion of aviation and making it all electric. And this new age of air travel might not need to rely on jet fuel. From the Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Danny Lewis. Today, we're looking at some of the fuel technologies that could eventually make flight cheaper and more environmentally friendly. But the key word is eventually. And they come with trade-offs that could reshape the way we think about flight. Stick around. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Throughout history, people have tried all sorts of methods to soar through the sky. 
gliding, powered by humans in the wind. Hot air balloons, fueled by propane. Even the plane the Wright brothers flew at Kitty Hawk in 1903 was powered by good old-fashioned gasoline. But one of the most revolutionary propellants was jet fuel. Capable of traveling at 575 miles per hour or more. Much higher and faster than you've ever flown before. That's the sound of an ad that Pan American Airways put out in 1958. It promoted some of the first transatlantic flights and the promise of early commercial jets. You can take in the scenes and events more fully and at a more leisurely pace. Only one of the remarkable gains made possible by jet flying. Jet fuel is typically made from kerosene, along with some additives to keep it from freezing at high altitudes. It packs a huge punch at a relatively low weight, about 43 megajoules per kilogram. To put it in perspective, just one kilogram of jet fuel has enough energy to run my microwave for almost 12 hours straight. But to do that, it would take a lot of engineering. I'd have to rig up the fuel tank to a combustion engine to convert it into electricity, figure out a way to vent any fumes out of my apartment, rig that generator up to my microwave, and make sure nothing leaks or catches fire in the process. I don't think my super or my neighbors would be too happy if I tried to do that in my kitchen, though. You did what? Okay, so jet fuel won't work for reheating my coffee. But you know what it does work really well for? Planes. It's that amount of energy that allows something as big and heavy as a jet to get off the ground and stay airborne for thousands of miles. There is nothing as both efficient and economical as jet fuel. That's my colleague George Downs. He covers the future of transportation for the Wall Street Journal. It really does sit in a kind of sweet spot that has enabled global travel and enabled this industry to exist, really. And now it's having to find ways to decarbonize it and essentially wean itself off this fuel. Because that convenience comes at an environmental cost. A study led by Manchester Metropolitan University suggests that aviation is responsible for as much as 3.5% of all human activities that drive climate change. That's because burning jet fuel at high altitudes releases things like carbon dioxide, nitrogen oxide, and hydrocarbons into the upper atmosphere, all of which help trap heat and contribute to rising global temperatures. And there are about 200,000 flights a week globally, according to tracking website FlightRadar24. So groups like the International Air Transport Association, which represents about 300 passenger and cargo airlines, are trying to figure out how to lower the industry's environmental impact. They've set this industry-wide target of net zero carbon emissions by 2050. But in truth, for the aviation industry as a whole to decarbonize, it's going to take a lot. And it's going to take a lot of different approaches and a lot of different solutions. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. And after years of slowly working away, several technologies are closer than ever to replacing jet fuel. First up, electric batteries. Let's just simulate a takeoff right here. Let's go back to Beta Technologies, the electric aircraft company I visited in Vermont. While I was there, I got to watch one of their engineers, Alex Scaparata, test out a prototype motor. This is essentially a 500 horsepower takeoff that we'll hear. And we're going to hear both the noise of the dyno load motor and the noise of the motor under test. So it's essentially twice as loud as we would hear an aircraft in flight. We were standing in a control room, watching the motor through a window. The motor was pretty small, maybe a couple of feet in diameter. 
and it was in a metal cage to keep it from banging around the room if things went sideways. On our side of the concrete wall, Scaparata eyed a bank of computer monitors displaying real-time test data. So here's pushing up from 90 knots to 110. The faster we can go to, let's say, a very fast cruise, um, 150. That sound was coming through the walls as the motor spun. But we didn't need heavy-duty ear protection, like you see airport workers wearing when they're out on the tarmac. Yeah, this is the sound of the motor cruising at kind of a normal, high-efficiency cruise point. At this point, we're around 97, 98% efficient. Um, so we're really you know, able to cruise for over an hour at this point in time. That's way better than current jet engines. Even modern ones can only convert up to 40% of fuel energy into thrust. The rest is released as heat. But electric aircraft like the Alia pull power straight from the battery. No combustion required. That means a lot less energy goes to waste. Beta is designing its planes to fly up to 300 miles on a single charge, which is great for short regional flights. But CEO Kyle Clark wants to tackle cargo first. If you think about how many times online you clicked buy versus how many times you got an airplane in the last year, right? You click buy a lot more, and it's a large and growing challenge to how do we sustainably ship things around the country. Clark says using small electric planes for shorter, more frequent trips could save cargo operators a lot of money. The International Air Transport Association says fuel accounted for almost 30% of airlines' total costs in 2022 because it's really expensive to fuel a jet. Just think about the last time you flew. You may have seen a fuel surcharge included in your ticket price. You might not have. But either way, it factored into what you paid to book your flight. Here's an example. When we recorded this episode, a barrel of jet fuel cost $92.67, or about $2.20 per gallon. A Boeing 737 can carry up to 6,875 gallons of jet fuel. So to top off a plane of that size from empty would cost more than $15,000. The cost of electricity does fluctuate depending on location, but generally it's a lot cheaper. Beta Technologies says it cost about $17 to recharge one of its electric aircraft during a recent test flight. Meanwhile, filling up the tank of a similar-sized jet-fuel-powered plane that flew alongside cost about $700. That's a great entry point to target a massive fuel user. And we're going to make a huge difference because we're going after a place where they use tons and tons of fuel. So electric flights could bring that cost way down. But there's a problem. Batteries are heavy. If you tried to power a plane the size of a Boeing 737 with batteries right now... You would not be able to operate that aircraft. You may not even be able to get it off the ground. Andreas Schaefer is a professor of energy and transport at University College London's Energy Institute. He studies the aerospace industry's efforts to decarbonize its operations. If you compare it to jet fuel, today's best battery has only around a percent, roughly a percent of that energy storage uh, capability. So these planes would be extremely heavy. When you stop and think about how much an airplane weighs and how much energy it takes to keep something that big in the sky, it drives home the scale of this challenge. Electric vehicles have the same problem. Take Ford's F-150 pickup truck. The gas-powered model starts at about 4,000 pounds. But the F-150 Lightning, which is an electric vehicle, weighs almost 6,600 pounds. And pretty much all that additional weight is in the battery. 
In order to get better range, EV makers need bigger batteries. But that makes the EV heavier, which in turn requires more power. Schaefer says that means planes powered by the batteries that exist today will be limited to small aircraft making short trips. In terms of CO2 emissions generation, it is really peanuts. And if we want to mitigate CO2 emissions meaningfully, I believe we have to look at the at the, at the big emitters. And these are the 737 type and larger aircraft. That is the long-haul international flights. And our current battery technology just can't power trips like that at this stage. But there is another potential future fuel source the industry is eyeing, and it goes back to part of aviation's past. After the break, we'll talk about how hydrogen could be the solution for powering long-range air travel. Stay with us. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eaton Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at eatonvance.com symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. When it comes to the future of flight, one of the most powerful fuels could actually be one from the history books, hydrogen. It's been used as a power source going back to at least the 19th century, when people were building the very first batteries, including one that combined hydrogen and oxygen to generate electricity. And the promise of hydrogen didn't stop there. Two, one, zero, all engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. NASA has long used hydrogen gas as rocket fuel. And during the Cold War, both the U.S. and the Soviet Union experimented with using liquid hydrogen to fuel airplanes. But hydrogen hasn't always had the best reputation in commercial aviation, especially after the infamous Hindenburg explosion. The German dirigible used hydrogen gas to stay aloft, and starting in 1936, made 17 trips across the Atlantic. But that ended just 14 months later, in May 1937, when a spark set the blimp ablaze during a docking attempt in New Jersey. It's burning and bursting into flames, and, and the flame is rising to the ground, not quite to the mooring mass of the humanity. All the 36 mass. people were killed, and the Hindenburg was destroyed. So I'll be honest with you, Danny. The only people that ever talk about the Hindenburg are the press. So, yeah, Paul Aramenko wasn't thrilled that I asked him about that disaster. He's the CEO of Universal Hydrogen, a startup company working to build hydrogen-powered airplane engines and the infrastructure to refuel them. Aviation is kind of the killer app for hydrogen because hydrogen is the lightest weight energy carrier outside of nuclear fuels. It can carry as much as three times the same energy as jet fuel. Back in March, Universal Hydrogen successfully flew a 40-passenger turboprop plane retrofitted with a prototype hydrogen-electric hybrid engine. Hydrogen fuel cells work by combining hydrogen with a catalyst to separate the atoms, protons, and electrons. That produces electricity. And the main byproduct is water. It's what's called a true zero fuel in that respect, true zero carbon emissions. 
swapping carbon-heavy exhaust for water would be a huge plus from an environmental perspective. But it gets complicated when you start looking at how hydrogen fuel is made. Wall Street Journal reporter George Downs. You'll hear terms like green hydrogen and grey hydrogen. Grey hydrogen is isolated using methods that pollute, whereas green hydrogen is isolated using clean energy. And there is a lot less green hydrogen currently being made. And right now, there's a lot more grey hydrogen being made than green hydrogen. A 2019 report by the International Energy Agency, which advises governments on policy, found that less than 1% of all hydrogen is made using renewable energy. The green hydrogen industry did get a boost from the U.S. in the form of billions of dollars of tax credits for renewable energy in the 2022 Inflation Reduction Act. But right now, it's still really expensive. Green hydrogen costs about $5 a kilogram, while the same amount of hydrogen made with natural gas costs about a buck fifty. It's quite expensive and energy intensive. And this occurs time and time again with hydrogen fuels. They are only carbon neutral if the entire process to create them is carbon neutral. But some companies are still betting on the promise of hydrogen as a clean fuel of the future. And it's not just startups like Universal Hydrogen. One of the world's largest commercial aircraft manufacturers is making a big push to develop hydrogen-powered planes. We don't usually announce, in fact, uh, a decade ahead, uh, what our future product is likely to look like in the aviation industry. Glenn Llewellyn is the vice president of zero-emission aircraft at Airbus, which built around half of all commercial jets currently flying. Llewellyn is in charge of the departments designing the planes that could one day shuttle passengers and cargo around the world without the heavy carbon emissions. People usually try and keep those things quiet uh, until the last possible moment. In, in this case, we recognize that the project is very different and um, requires an ecosystem to change in order for it to be successful. Airbus is starting development on hydrogen-powered commercial aircraft. Llewellyn says they're aiming to have them in service by 2035. But as we talked about before with electric planes, new fuels mean designing new planes to use them. Because while hydrogen fuel is a lot lighter than jet fuel, it can take up at least four times as much volume. Which means the planes will have to be a bit different than the ones currently in the air. In today's aircraft, it's mostly the case that we store the fuel in the wings. Fuel would no longer be stored there, and so you can have potentially thinner wings, more optimized wings from a pure aerodynamic perspective. But Llewellyn says that could also make some really radical aerodynamic plane designs possible. Really wild designs, like one called a flying wing, that kind of looks like a big boomerang. But the first hydrogen planes will most likely look pretty much like the ones in the air now. Just a little stretched out. The most likely aircraft configuration is that behind the passenger carrying compartment at the rear of the aircraft, we would uh, have two tanks of liquid hydrogen, which would then feed the engines. So visually, the aircraft fuselage would look longer than what we would have with today's aircraft. To be clear, even if hydrogen-powered aircraft go mainstream, we're still decades away from seeing planes this different pulling up to the airport gate. Not only do the planes need to be redesigned, the whole infrastructure to refuel them would have to change too. Jacqueline O'Connor is a professor of mechanical engineering at Penn State. She studies aircraft engines and the fuels that power them. 
and she's not sure that Airbus will be able to make hydrogen planes commercially viable by 2035. If you're going to push these technologies forward on an aircraft scale, you need a huge infrastructure and a lot of people. You don't just need engineers, you need machinists and you need supply chain. You need like everything together to come together to do all this. Adding alternative fuels into the mix makes things a lot more complicated. So while the technology, infrastructure, and logistics are all getting worked out, O'Connor thinks the aviation industry's carbon-free fuel transition will start with what's generally called sustainable aviation fuels. Some of these are made out of corn or, or other things that you could create alcohols from. Waste streams, people also use oils. So like cooking oil, you could turn into jet fuel. These fuels can then be blended with petroleum-based jet fuel, just like how trucks and cars can run on biodiesel mixed with diesel, or ethanol mixed with gasoline. Less petroleum-based fuel means less carbon dioxide and other pollutants released into the atmosphere. This is what Airbus's biggest rival is betting on, at least for the near future. Christopher Raymond is the chief sustainability officer at Boeing. Sustainable aviation fuel is the one that we all know works, and we all know has the least change to all the infrastructure. Sustainable aviation fuels can replace up to 50% of regular jet fuel when blended. Raymond says electric and hydrogen power planes will likely be part of aviation's future, but sustainable aviation fuels will be the backbone of the industry's decarbonization efforts. We know how to do it, and we know at those blend limits how it affects the airplane and airport infrastructures. So they're considered drop-in today because we don't have to make a lot of change to those things, which is one reason they're attractive. That drop-in factor is one reason oil companies like Shell, BP, and ExxonMobil are investing in sustainable aviation fuels. Regulators have already approved them, and these fuels don't require infrastructure updates. Plus, Raymond says using sustainable aviation fuels could reduce the lifetime carbon emissions for planes that are currently in the air. When we consider the number of airplanes that exist today, and you consider the ones that are going to be introduced over, say, the next 10 years, there will be a lot of existing types of airplanes still in 2050. And so if we can accelerate the introductions of sustainable fuels that can largely drop into that existing infrastructure. But Jacqueline O'Connor from Penn State says it's not quite that simple. That's because planes are designed to use jet fuel in multiple ways, and changing its chemistry can have unintended effects. It's actually used as a hydraulic fluid in some applications. Um, it has to go through, you know, lots and lots of tubes. Um, and the material of the tubes and valves and pumps and everything that it's going through is important. If the right fuels aren't used, those tubes and valves and pumps might leak. And that could damage other parts of the plane or cause the engine to work less well, which, if we're talking about emissions, could defeat the purpose. If you have a really high-performance car and you put a lower-octane fuel in, it's not going to do as well. You're not tuning the fuel for what the engine was, you know, designed for. Plus, like hydrogen, sustainable aviation fuels are really expensive. They can cost up to four times as much as jet fuel. And there isn't enough of it. Last year, refineries produced about 80 million gallons of sustainable aviation fuel. That's less than 1% of the more than 100 billion gallons the International Air Transport Association says is needed to help reach net zero emissions by 2050. If you think plane tickets are expensive now, that means flying carbon neutral could cost even more in the coming years. 
Wall Street Journal reporter George Downs. The question is, from a consumer point of view, are you going to pay more money, at least in the early days, to board a flight that you know is carbon neutral? And with electric battery-powered flight and with hydrogen flight, you're talking about fuel that, for now at least, is carrying fewer passengers for shorter distances. And what that's going to do is mean that the cost per mile per passenger is probably going to go up. And that could be a tricky sell. But even so, there's still promise in these new technologies to replace jet fuel. Penn State's Jacqueline O'Connor says it might just take a while to get there. If I am on a commuter jet from New York to D.C., and there are, you know, 35 other people on this plane with me, in a couple decades, I really hope those are being operated by batteries. Um, I recently just got back from a trip to Germany. That is not going to be battery-powered, right? My, <laughs> my flight from Newark to Germany is not going to, is, there's just no way. She thinks the future of flight fuel will be a slow, step-by-step process. More evolution than revolution. It will take time and a lot of money to make as sweeping a change as giving up jet fuel. But Christopher Raymond from Boeing thinks the transition to renewable energy will drive a lot of innovation and will reshape the way we fly, even if passengers don't necessarily notice the changes right away. I just think you're going to see a lot of firsts. Not all the ideas are going to work. Not all the companies are going to make it. But the fact that we're trying to figure out all the ways we can make it more sustainable, like that's exciting. And we're going to see really cool announcements in this industry over the next five years. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ogenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. This episode was reported and produced by me, Danny Lewis. Our fact checker is Aparna Nathan. Jessica Fenton and Michael Laval are our sound designers. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Editorial support was provided by Falana Patterson. Like the show? Tell your friends and leave us a five-star review on your favorite platform. Thanks for listening.